Hello, everyone, and welcome to Note to Scene, a music news podcast covering everything from pop punk to metalcore. I'm Matt Crane. I'm Tyler Sharp. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, where every week we discuss all the biggest news stories in the music scene. Find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, where you should please rate and review us. Email us at notescene at gmail.com. We have a lot to talk about this week. Big news from Dance Gavin Dance. But first, we're going to talk about comeback albums from Scene Titans, Under Oath, and 30 Seconds to Mars. All right, let's go. So it was it was crazy to find out Pure Volume is is officially shutting down. Kind of kind of an end of an era, right? Definitely. Pure Volume was important, and it, it's it, weird to think that a lot of people don't know about it who are in the scene today. Yeah, it's weird because Pure Volume was very important. You know, it was like basically like MySpace, but just for music, kind of like just the the music aspect of the MySpace experience and discovering bands and all that. But like. The last 10 years or so, it really hasn't it hasn't been that, you know, ever since right. Spin Media bought it, it's been turned into a music news site. So it's like kids these days probably don't even remember what it was. But Pure Volume, you know, kind of was pre MySpace at one point, you know, as far as blowing mm-hmm. bands. Up. And it was just such a really great, awesome tool to discover new bands, you know, like. So many good experiences. Like at one point, I think Greeley Estates were the most streamed band on Pure Volume. Mm. They were. It was. It was just a wild time where like real new attention was getting put on on real new upcoming bands in a way we don't really see anymore. You know what I mean? It was like the hype was if you were new and cool. You know? Yeah, definitely. I remember buying uh, "Define the Great Line" day it came out. And in it was a stock card that just fell right out of it as soon as you opened it. And it was a sampler code where you could go to the Solid State Pure Volume page and download a 30-song sampler from all their bands that was on there. And, like, I I came to Pure Volume more so when it was on the downslope, you know, like 2009, 2010, 2011. But that was when the Metalcore cover hype was happening. Right. I I remember when Crown the Empire's cover of Forever broke on Pure Volume. And I was like, holy shit, this is terrible, but it's also fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, it it had a few moments like that towards the end. But like, it was like, you know, 03, man, 04, 05, like Mm -hmm. 05 pure volume was really clicking and eventually myspace kind of started to cannibalize it because mm-hmm. bands were kind of like you know why would we really direct our fans here when we can direct them to the full myspace experience but like there were just cool things they would do like pure volume like they would do this thing like called band of the day or whatever mm-hmm. where they just highlight one band on their homepage. and there was this one band called haven 21 like no one's gonna know this band they're just like some local band from like arizona but I just saw them on, you know, the homepage as Band of the Day. You should check them out. They're pop punk or something. And I really loved their songs. And they were just some no-name band that no one had ever heard of. But, like, I had 10 songs from them that I would jam all the time. And, you know, they lasted for a year. And, you know, as it goes with local bands, they did, like, a last tour, if you could even call it that. Mm-hmm. And... um it's kind of like a Midwest tour and because that's just what happens with these bands. They last a year and they break up, but they decided right. to go out with one tour and they happened to come to where I was living at the time, which I thought was crazy. You know, this local band I found on Pure Volume. So uh, I went to the show and it wasn't really like they were on tour more. It was just that they were sort of 
opening for various local shows across <laughs> the Midwest. You know what I mean? They were just like an, you know, they just got slotted in at a bunch of local shows as the opening act. And they were so surprised when I when I went when I showed up that anyone had even came to see them. Like it wow. blew their mind that, you know, they're a local band from Arizona or what, or wherever. And somebody here all the way across the country actually came to see them and they were so stoked on it. And I ended up like hanging out with the band after and, nice. you know, their singer got really fucking drunk and ran <laughs> full speed into a mailbox. And um, <laughs> I'll always have that memory because pure volume. Dude. Connected fans and, and bands Those in a stories, way that we don't, we don't see anymore, you know? Absolutely. Those stories are kind of lost nowadays yeah. when you think about music discovery and, and the way bands connect with fans. That's awesome, man. I'm glad you got something like that out of pure volume. I got a ton of metalcore covers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, yeah. We all, you know, it just it used to be way more intimate, you know? Yep. And that, it's sad that, you know, nobody's going to remember the legacy of pure volume. But, Definitely. you know, there's no need to sit around and mope about it because uh, we got new music this week, Tyler. Dude, we got a shit ton of new music, man. It's about time, right? Yeah, I know, man. So it's, you know, the elephant in the room, we got two big new albums from Under Earth and 30 Seconds to Mars. And it's really interesting, you know, that these two bands would release their comeback albums on the same mm-hmm. day for a couple of reasons. Because, you know, one, both of these bands, maybe they didn't come up in the same scene per se, but they came up adjacent to each other. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It was all going on in the same broader scene. Like, I think they might have even done, like, a Taste of Chaos together. Did they? Were they on the same bill? I don't think they were ever on the same bill, but I okay. know that... It, the... it was, like, one Taste of Chaos removed. You know, like, totally. Under did it one year and 30 Seconds did it the next year. So these bands... While 30 Seconds were, you know, going total mainstream rock and Under Oath were, you know, underground heavy music, they were very adjacent to each other. And it wouldn't be surprising that there were crossover fans. And, like, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Jared Leto knew who Under Oath were. It wouldn't shock me. Not at all. I mean, they're only chasing safety and a beautiful lie. Those cycles, if they Mm -hmm. never crossed paths, were very close to one to one another especially even i just remember seeing under oath and 30 seconds to mars shirts in hot topic all the time when i was in middle school like next to each other yeah and shared a a common fan base to a certain degree um so what's interesting to me is you know both bands are making they're both making a comeback um maybe you could you definitely argue under oath is more of a comeback than 30 seconds to mars uh, as you know they just haven't been gone as long but both bands are also changing modes, which I think is the more interesting thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, changing modes of how they act as a band. Um, you have 30 Seconds to Mars, but they're both both bands are doing it in a different way. You have 30 Seconds to Mars really looking to the future with their change of mode. And with Under Oath, you have them sort of looking to the past. And And what I mean by this is, 36 Mars with their new album are adapting their arena rock to the modern EDM pop landscape. That is sort of what they're doing here. They're kind of going to the future. They're taking their band where everything's headed. Under Oath, on the other hand, are trying to move into the radio rock market, which is something that is old and has always been there. And, you know, it's this market of bands, you know, that is just never going to go away. There's always going to be a radio station that plays Papa Roach, Three Days Grace, you know, Five Finger Death Punch, Disturbed, and all these sort of bands on loop. And there's always going to be dudes in their truck that want to listen to that. And Under Oath are kind of 
trying to move into that avenue as a band to evolve to the next step of their career. So I find that just very interesting. One band is going to the future and another band is kind of trying to fit into an already established infrastructure that has been there for a while. Yeah, definitely. But at the same time, both bands are trying to progress. You know, they're trying to grow their bands. They're trying to take it to a level that they haven't attained before with their previous album. So it is really interesting. It's been eight years since the last Under Oath record. It's actually been five years since the last 30 Seconds to Mars album, which is, I I, I read that right. in an article the other day, and I thought, I was like, wow, it really has been that long since the last 30 seconds to mars record right and uh there's there's i mean obviously jared's been doing movies and the band just took basically an unannounced hiatus but uh and yeah i mean i see 30 seconds to mars's move you know into the more edm pop modern world is kind of more predictable to me but i find under Oath's mode change a little more interesting because let's say eight to ten years ago if under Oath had done this Bands who would do this 10 years ago move to the radio rock market. It would be it would be perceived as kind of selling out, you know, moving Mm -hmm. to a bigger space. But as we've seen rock sort of, you know, fade and exit the world's stage, the main power in music, radio rock really isn't that big of an arena anymore. (laughs) It's almost like, you know, a move to radio rock now for a band is more. It's not a move of selling out and getting bigger as much as it is a move of survival you know the scene is dying you know metalcore is dying what's left oh this radio rock market is here and it's never going to go away so let's move into that as a mode of survival you know what i mean yeah you see a lot of bands doing this it's not really a way to get that much bigger anymore it's just it's a it's a it's a functioning infrastructure that bands are kind of flocking to right i mean like you mentioned it's a way to survive it's like what's the move now that the scene right. is dying you know there's no real way to the 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 ceiling is so much lower in the scene mm-hmm. than it was 10 years ago let alone 15 years ago so bands are like well what the hell do we do now well there's right. rock radio and right. to them you know i it, it's really hard for me to think that people within the industry don't see what's going on with rock as a whole you know like rock is last even the even the biggest bands at rock radio three days grace you know papa roach you know they're not selling as many records as they used to at all you know but but they get those singles on the charts and and it keeps them alive enough to sustain their career yeah and they can keep playing big rock radio festivals and it's it's sort of this weird new survival where like all of rock kind of has to flock to this area we saw paramore do it you know paramore said straight up we want to be an alternative format band you know um and they they chose to move into the alternative rock space you know with their album and take it in that direction and you know we've seen tons of bands going to rock radio the list goes on you know um uh, right now just on the top 50 we got i prevail a day uh, to remember parkway <laughs> drive the parkway fever drive. 333 you know bullet for my valentine just dropped a new single on yeah. there under oath of mice and men the yeah, pivots I, are happening because they have to there's I mean, not really a scene left motionless and white motionless you know, a day to yeah. remember obviously so we see it's just they're all pierce the veil even you know we've seen Band, bring me the horizon too we just mm. we keep seeing bands trying to do this um because it's just kind of where rock survives now what it comes down to and this is what we're going to get into with both of these albums how 
effective is the pivot? How effective is the rebrand? Because that's what it comes down to. And really the only band who has done it right so far from the scene is Bring Me the Horizon. They're really the only band who has made a true pivot, a true rebrand, and has been able to fully capitalize on new sound, new fan, and continue to grow grow their band bigger than it ever has been. Whereas like I Prevail have slipped into the rock radio market and succeeded there, but they're going to be stuck there. Bring Me have actually maybe created something new. Okay, so let's start... Let's move on and start talking about these albums, okay? So Under Oath released their first new album in eight years, Erase Me. Tyler Sharp, I know you got a lot (laughs) of thoughts on this one, my man. Uh, This is Tyler's favorite band of all time, period, for anyone who doesn't know. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess let's just give me your nutshell where you are with this album. And uh, and I'll kind of give you mine too, and then we'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll go through... We'll do go. We'll go through all the dirty details here, my man. Cool. There, thankfully, and this comes with the utmost relief you could possibly imagine. There is a lot on this album that I genuinely enjoy. There is also a notable amount that I do not. It is far from a perfect record. Do I think that it will damage Underos' legacy? No. I think there are a lot of redeemable qualities on this album, and. Depending on where these songs actually line up once they are full, get their full pushes and the cycle uh, comes to a close within the next year or two years, we'll see what the next step is going to warrant. But like I said, there's a lot that I do like. Altogether, I'm at a 7 out of 10 for this record. What about you, Matt? That's a pretty good score. I am at an interesting place with this album. So, okay. you know, uh, we I wasn't the biggest fan of the singles. Um, you know, I've come a little more around on on my teeth. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty good song. I don't like Rapture still. But, you know, to me, Under Oath albums, there's this, like, trend I've noticed in them. And um, it's sort of that ever since They're Only Chasing Safety came out, which let's just stop this fight right here and let's just get this on paper. <laughs> to me, that is the perfect album. That is the perfect Under Oath album. Tyler is, Oof. you are of the, uh, Oof. I'm going to let you say it. Define the great line. You are very yeah. wrong. Although, are, I mean, Chasing Safety is a right. near perfect record. Doesn't touch Define. <laughs> just got to get that out there that Tyler and I are on completely different sides of this, this duality yep. of album argument. But um, to me, Chasing Safety was the perfect record. And the band ever since then have been losing melody is the key trend I've noticed. Like Chasing Safety mm-hmm. was very melodic. To find the great line, sacrificed a lot of melody for a lot more harder moments. But, you know, I still really like that record. I think it's a really good record. Lost in the Sound, we sacrifice even more melody. And it just started to get boring to me at that point. And then Oof. we end up at Disambiguation where there's no melody at all. I mean, it's hard to call that music. It's a, You know what I mean? It's just a wall of noise hitting you at all times. And it's an impressive technical feat, but it's just, it doesn't really sound good. I don't really enjoy the listening experience unless really? I'm looking at it at a technical level. That record to me, is just, it's just, a, it's like they suck all the melody out. And this yeah. record brings some melody back. If you stack this next to disambiguation, you know what I mean? This sounds, you know, this sounds like a rock album. You know, you know what I'm saying? Um, it's we have melody back in the picture. So that was a relief to me I'm going kind of long here. Um, ultimately, <laughs> I ended up liking some songs, but a lot of it kind of blurred together to me and a lot of it kind of swirled together. And I came to 
a six out of ten on the record. Okay, so we're not terribly far apart. No, and I you don't... didn't think it was a trash album. No, it's not a trash album. Um, you know, it just doesn't move me, man. Like it's just it doesn't mm-hmm. move me like the old ones. And you know, I just I don't the songs I just don't think are particularly that great. Um, but it, it it's not a trash album, you know. There are there are it's a decent album. Six out of ten to me is a decent score. I think it's a fair one. So it's interesting you bring up the comparison to disambiguation. The angle, uh, as far as narrative goes around Erase Me, is that this is just the rock version of disambiguation. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I could kind of see that because you know you you got kind of some of the similar tones. It's just dark. Like the, the, the doominess, right? right? I call it sometimes like ancient Egypt core, where like, you know what I mean? You can just see like black and white pyramids in the background as they're playing kind of, you know, like you board alive, did it with Hounds of Anubis. Uh, yeah, that some of that, that doominess carries over, but they've melodicized it, you know, on this record, if that's a word. Totally. It, you compare like the, the pyramids of Egypt and the doominess to it. I mean, they have a single called Rapture. You know, this right. this this sound is kind of supposed to embody some sort of uh, grander notion, you know, like this this mm-hmm. grand scheme of things. And I think these songs accomplish that. The choruses are still really big. Whether or not they they always deliver is certainly uh, debatable. But I think songs such as Bloodlust, I Hate It, Hold Your Breath, the outro to No Frame and in motion all have choruses that are fucking massive and then you go to rapture which is more like you know we'll we'll say the avenge sevenfold riff song and the hook there is really interesting because the chorus is kind of split up into two different sections but i think it's a solid hook what's weird and what's really interesting to me is that it doesn't soar like your bloodlust chorus like your i hate it chorus like your hold your breath chorus it's really more subdued in a way that Mm. obviously is just checking a box for rock radio and i fucking hate that you know like there 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 is a there is a systematic approach to having success on rock radio there's a formula there are boxes that need to be checked off in order for rock radio djs to even give you the time of day when you're submitting your shit to rock radio and it just blows my mind how they won't give a high-end chorus the time of day but they'll give a lower caliber chorus as far as musicianship goes but if it sounds you know in a lower um, darker tone, lower melodies, then mm-hmm. they'll accept that. Like that fits yeah. the formula better. Like what? Who, that's so backwards to me. I, I know. I have a tough time with that though because I really just fucking hate that song. You know, and I I just don't think it's it's a good song. But in the and grand I, scheme of things, you get that right. Like, like yeah, I do kind of get it. I just think um, I could see other singles on this album having more success at radio. I totally than, agree. Even like a song like Wake Me, like to me. Well, that's the next single. I fucking hate that song. (laughs) Yeah, but to me, it's, you know, it's boring, nothing more core radio Mm -hmm. rock. But Mm -hmm. I could, um, in another song, potential single, I hate it. Like, you know, I I could see it. I hate it being a a better single than Rapture. You know, I hate it. It's, it feels like it could work as a rock radio single, but like I still find the song boring as is. But what's weird is when I think about that song, I don't know how I got into this 
this uh, thought process here, and you know, feel free to set me on fire, Tyler. But I, uh, I was, I just started hearing Cove Rebber singing this song. Mm. Like, if you put Cove Rebber on this song, all of a sudden, like, it kind of sounds like it could have been the Seosin follow-up to Self-Titled in a weird Ooh. way. Like, this song kind of could work with a vocalist like him. I, I don't know. It, Tim's riffing on this song is very, like, Bo Seosin-y. You know, that kind of, like, windy riff he's doing. And I don't know if that's what it was or just the general melody that Spencer's trying to pull off. But I, if you put, like, a Cove Reber from Seosin on that song, I see it just popping in a way it, it doesn't really pop with Spencer on it. See... What's interesting is that you have a song like Rapture, which sounds exactly like what we were expecting to get from the next Sleepwave album, you know, with Spencer on the chorus, on the main melodies with Cleans. But then you have songs like Bloodlust, like I Hate It, like the outro to No Frame. And I don't know if there's an effect on his voice there or if he's using a different technique or if it's just the overall production quality. He sounds different, right? He sounds more like Aaron. It sounds better. Yeah. And that's just me getting back to checking boxes off for rock radio. And I really feel like this album overall was hindered by that approach. But again, that's their goal, right? Their goal is to be a big radio rock band now. And they, right. I genuinely believe to make a cohesive record, they did the best that they could in this new mindset to give fans the best of both worlds because there um, are heavy moments on this record there are there definitely are but um quickly uh, and i know you're gonna disagree with me on these but i gotta shout some songs that i just i really didn't like. okay um, i gave up it has to start bloodlust shouts to 2005 finch um i just all those songs felt completely flat for me and we're just they just like blurred together in this haziness that really made this album just kind of incoherent for me and um very immemorable um hold your breath okay so like that song the intro to that song you know what i'm talking about the that like electronic bass rumbling that happens mm -hmm. are you with me yeah when I heard that, like, I was like, this sounds like this could be like the future of Under Oath. And then, like, <laughs> it, it gets hard as fuck, right? And it was like, holy shit, all of a sudden we're real raunchy again. And I was like, fuck yeah. But then that song busts into like a Jimmy World chorus, dude. <laughs> and what the hell is that chorus doing on that song? It's, it's... so tonally off. Like, that was supposed to. <sighs> That was supposed to be the fucking bruiser of the album. And, and it, it just hits you so hard in the beginning. And then we go sky high and all melodic with this 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 fucking Jimmy Eat World chorus, man. And I was just like, ah, oh, like, I'm trying here. And you, you just like, th I, I, and you just you just throw me another curveball. Yeah, I mean, it's a slightly unnerving dichotomy between the verse and the chorus in that song. But the chorus is solid. Like, you give it that, Ugh. right? Like, it's good. Ugh. On a Jimmy Eat World song, man. It See, doesn't work here. On this here. fucking cruiser. Fuck no, no way, man. It does not work. I felt it, like they walked the line between heavy under oath and newfound rock it, melodic it, under oath really well on that song. In that, in this instance, it was way too choppy to me. It was way too, like, whoa, tone shift. It really, really threw me off here. Um, some good songs. In Motion. I liked that song. I think it has, like, a very good melody and a very good screaming set. Um, I really liked Aaron and Spencer doing the vocal switch off. Um, you know, just any more Aaron you can get is a good thing on this <laughs> album because, you know, it's few and far between. But, like, you know, that chorus really goes sky high. Um, Spencer just really takes it way up there, and I thought it was really good. And I think the screams are used especially effectively at the end here. The way they sort of come in, it's, it's abrasive, and it, it feels um, very charging. 
What'd you think of that song? Yeah, while you're on it, one thing I want to shout out that no one seems to be talking about is Tim's riff in In Motion, in the mm-hmm. verse. It's got this, it's this super winding post-hardcore riff. And he goes in and out of it every once in a while. But uh, towards the beginning and middle of the verses, he'll jump into it again. And I'm just like, holy shit, 2004. Right. Like that, that's, it's, it's, it's almost like that note to self riff, you know, kind of. <laughs> kind of you know? But a little bit more proggy yeah. in a way. Kind of yeah. weird over Spencer's they're not trying to rap at the beginning of this song in these verses (laughs) but the delivery of it has the essence of a more oh how do i even describe that controlled and succinct delivery of vowels and words i guess i'll say as opposed to just actually singing them great chorus though man and um like just as i'm listening to it though i'm like you know what though this fucking just this kind of sounds like hard chevelle you know what i mean like it's like, <laughs> it's like yo shouts to chevelle man like shouts dude to absolutely like, shouts to that, just doing it you know still doing it still. and um fucking dude they're a three-piece you know what i mean like to uh, make that right think of a sound for the three-piece like no shots at chevelle but like you Years. know i like chevelle like uh you know not another rock radio staple and under of i felt like at times we're kind of emulating Chevelle core here on this record um but overall to me like on my teeth remains the best constructed song Ooh, on the album that's still here, i think man. a song you know I, like, I like i like no frame i think that's a weird that's a weird left turn but i just don't know how many times i'm going to revisit that it is a lot of work because the best part of the song and i believe the best part of the entire album is the outro I think that melody is really, just I like massive. it just because it's such a weird switch up. It doesn't fit with the rest of the album. I mean, it, sure. the, the tonally it does. The doominess of it, you know, the sort of ominous build of it does fit with the album. But sonically, it doesn't. And it's like a different thing. And I'm like, okay, I'm kind of about this. It was a nice breath of fresh air. But On My Teeth is still my favorite song on this record. Um, what's your favorite song? Right now, it's Bloodlust. And I cannot believe that you don't like that song. That's, I a, right, really, that's a write-off for me. That's that a, ridiculous. That's, it's, yeah, so, it's so funny that you say you hear you could hear Cove and I hate it, which I don't disagree with you, but I could hear him more in the Bloodlust chorus. I find myself singing that chorus all the time. And I'm then not going to get into it, but I could hear Cove in a lot of places true, on this record. True, I'm, true, I'm true. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But they have those melodies in the chorus on Bloodlust that just... They send it, I think, the most sky high they get on the whole record. And I I hate the quote-unquote transition because it's not a transition. It's just some ethereal electronics from Chris and then a double tom hit from Aaron. And then they jump right into the bridge, which once they're there in the bridge, is fantastic. It's huge. It's dark. It's doomy. It's basically, you know, what, what people wished we would have gotten from disambiguation those who wanted a big chorus and big moments like that but yeah my only gripe with the song is that there there are no transitions that it just jumps from place to place but i think altogether that's the best song on the record and real quick i want to give a shout out to the opener it has to start somewhere i almost wish they would have i i know i and i think i know deep down that on my teeth was the right song to lead with but it has to start somewhere. There's just something about that song that brings back the urgency that I grew to love in Under Oath back in the 2000s. I get almost. It, 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 there's it something almost there. Gets there. There's something there, and I think it really has to do with Aaron's drumming on it. He's just a fucking monster, man. I I really think that I'll, that 
song launches the album in the right direction. And I was definitely pleased with it when I sat down to listen to the album for the first time. I was like, oh shit, here we go. And then we get into Rapture on my teeth. We're like, well, maybe yeah. not. And then my two least favorite songs on the record, uh, Wake Me and Sync With You. Wake Me is obviously the second rock song. I yeah. would not be surprised if that's the the song that they go for. Next, it's the song that got added to New Music Friday on Spotify when the album dropped this past week. And Sync With You is just, I think, a genuinely bad song. Oh, terrible. Just structurally. Absolutely terrible. Literally just like, I mean, bad filler. You know what I mean? Not even filler. It's, which, it's worse than filler. Yeah, which is sad because that was supposed to be a fan service song, right? It's mm. a heavy track. Yeah. It's not meant for anything wasted, other wasted than... Wasted opportunity. Exactly. So... I was really disappointed in that song because I was like, all you right. You kind of just cut it from the album Ab- and the absolutely. album gets better for it and just make uh, make Hold Your Breath harder, you know? <laughs> drop, <laughs> drop the Hold Your Breath chorus, cut that cut that song and replace them. Um, yeah, it's just uh, at times, you know, this record, it, it's weird though because like it, it doesn't just quite feel like a hard rock album to me. Like I, I really still have so many doubts about this band succeeding as a radio rock band. Like, sometimes it just sounds like, like a hard Deftones album to me. You know what I mean? And that kind of music just is still, is not, it doesn't really do well at radio anymore. Like right. Deftones don't do well at radio. This might be still too complex and not catchy enough for rock radio. Um, and my biggest problem with this record, I, I didn't feel anything. It didn't make me feel anything. And Under Oath Records used to make me feel right. something. Definitely. And I really, I got nothing from this emotionally Um, yeah i definitely think that there's voids here in this record it's far from perfect uh like we said at the beginning and the problem is that they needed to write their version of bring me the horizons drown and they didn't do it and like you said i remain unconvinced that any of these songs reach a high enough caliber to successfully put them at the next level that they're trying to step to right no and i mean like we see you know rapture right now you know is that number 32 on rock radio but you know that's concord records just injected a bunch of money into the band and got a bunch of radio ads and they're at that point on rock radio at number 32 where we don't really know which way they're going to go it could fall right off or it could climb and i still i just that song is not strong enough and i still haven't heard it on the radio so it's not in rotation here at least and i just i have my doubts that these songs are catchy enough or you know high caliber enough to really connect at radio and then that sort of ultimately ultimately defeats the whole purpose of what the band's trying to do and um like i said i didn't feel anything and that's that's kind of just where i end up at a six out of ten it's a decently executed album but it doesn't really doesn't really move me or do anything for me and you know i i totally agree with that because on a personal level it didn't move me much but neither does any song that's pretty much ever been in the top 10 in the last five years on rock radio, you know, like it's just, it's kind of a shallow business, you know, like these songs are just stock rock riffs with kind of stock melodies. Dude, Papa Roach help moved me, man. That's a good fucking song. Dude, number one, that's a good fucking song. I agree. That's a, that's a really solid song. That that said, that connected to me with me way more than like any of these under songs did. Ah, yeah. I don't know. There's definitely, it's a it's it's a dark song. Do I personally think that it is good enough to rise on 
on rock radio? No, but I'm still going to stand by what I said on the episode before. I don't think the top 10 on rock radio now is worth the shit that it's built no, upon. There's a lot of garbage there. So Definitely. do I think it can climb? I think it's there's just... potential. I think there's, I think they have a shot considering where rock radio is at right now. I just, I don't think they do, man. I, <laughs> I'm stand, I'm not going to stand down from my band. Like this is my band. They're on rock radio. Um, I'm going to stand by them. Um, so we did our first week sales predictions like pretty early on. Mm-hmm. And I think you had said 13,000, mm-hmm. right? And I had said 18,000. I'm gonna that? stick with 18,000. You're gonna stick with 18? Nah, yeah, I'm sticking with 18. I have How about uh, you. You want to do any revisionist here? Because I we we predicted way early, and now we've sort of seen we did. But I've had some insider info, so I can't. Uh, I can't. I can't. Oh, you're right, um, so you're locked in at thirteen. Uh, yeah, I gotta go stick with my number. I can't. Uh, I can't uh, adjust any based on what I'm I know. I'm worried you might be on the money. Honestly. Oh. Don't do that to me, man. Don't do that to me. Um, But real quick, before we move on, massive shouts to Randy Nichols, Under Oath's manager. He uh, invited me as a VIP to the band's secret show in Chicago this past weekend. It was awesome. Got to meet him. Not like a lot of other managers out there. Always got to give props to Randy. When I I was at AP, he was always an awesome dude to work with. Um, Okay, so 30 Seconds of Mars also released their comeback album. This is their fifth album. It's called America. You know, did you notice the, uh, I mean, it's kind of interesting thing they did, which I thought was pretty cool with their album art. Did you notice how when you buy the album, you basic, the album art is just a series of words. And you can, when you buy the album, you can pick your own words to put on the cover of the album. Yeah, I thought that yeah. was cool. It was cool. I, I saw a really funny one, which I was just fucking cracking up, where somebody who had bought the album and the band retweeted it, they made their cover just ranking the band's discography. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's so meta and awesome. That's awesome. What was number one? Um, Probably Beautiful Eye. Okay. You know? But yeah, um, the yeah it, it was just hilarious to see that, that metal level in the band retweeting it. Um, right. But this album, you know, I'm just going to dive in real quick. Walk on Water, Dangerous Night, one track mine, you know, Love is Madness, which has Halsey, um, apparent Pierce the Veil fan, by the way, we mm-hmm. found out. All those songs are fucking bangers, man. Um, I love all those songs. And Rescue Me, to me, is the best song on this album, America. Wow. Like, wow. perfect marriage of this band's sort of emo anthem rock mixed with, like, EDM pop sensibilities. I fucking love this song, man. Like... You even got like the nice reference to Love Lust Faith on it, um, where Jared says, Whatever you do, don't lose your faith. The devil's quick to love lust and pain. Kind of a little switch up there, which I thought was really interesting. It's just a super fucking moving chorus. Jared says, Rescue me from the demons in my mind, rescue me from the lovers of my life. That song just fucking blew me away, man. Um it's like an eight point five out of ten for me. It's one of my favorite songs of the year. That that's the first half of the record right there. And I was just like, Holy shit. And then Something happens, man. The second half of this <laughs> runs out of gas. Like as soon as you get to the second half, it slows down, and and there's there's nothing remarkable or good left, and the band sort of just get back to playing bad U2. So that's my take on it. Where are you at with this record? Bad U2. I'm glad we are on the same page for the second half of this record, man. Yeah, it was like what happened? Like it was just like they ran out of gas, man. Like I, I, my first listen through. On from track number seven, Great Wide Open, to mm. number nine, Dawn Will Rise, I, I didn't even notice that the songs had changed. Yeah, I, I thought I was I still listening it. to the it, same it's song. Hilarious. 
<laughs> so yeah, I mean, obviously they picked the right singles. That's for sure. Walk yeah. on Water we talked about was the unexpected sports anthem of 2017. Low key, Dangerous Night, banger. I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was a nine out of ten track. I I, I think it was an eight out of ten ish. I've grown to like it a little more. Uh, one track mine bars from ASAP Rocky. Still not a fan of that whole song, but uh, his verse definitely definitely saved it for me. Infamous line, you know. Ooh, heard it's you, only thirty seconds to Mars, and it took you even less just to get to my heart. I mean, which is I, interesting. That just talking about the band's name and how you interpret it, like right? He is interpreting the band's name to mean it takes thirty seconds to get to Mars. Mm-hmm. That's kind of ASAP Rocky. And I had always this is how I had always envisioned it as the band like the end of a journey to mars and we are now 30 seconds to mars like 30 secons to landing is kind of how i always read the wow. band's name were you on that side or were you no. did you always see it how asap saw it yeah i always saw it how asap saw it you're kind of a in motion take on it i've never heard anyone describe it like that yeah that's, that's kind of how i always thought of you know like you always hear like 30 seconds to landing you know 10 seconds i always thought it was like <laughs> we're, we're almost to mars we're almost to this new frontier we're 30 we're 30 seconds to something amazing it's kind of how i always read this Man, band's name nice. so hearing asap you know have his own take on it you know sort of was cool to hear you out there unpacking the band names man uh so yeah what's so... the meaning of your band name yo <laughs> <laughs> shouts to all you uh young, young journalists, journalists out there yep. love is madness i gotta be honest i was disappointed i wanted more from a halsey feature yeah. on a 30 seconds to mars song I get it, you know. Hey, it's, a, it's better than him and I. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's yeah, better than know. him and I. You I, know, man. I, I don't. I despise that song, and I'm not sure if this can live up to uh, even that caliber. So, pretty disappointed in that. Great wide open. I'm pretty sure is just a cover of a worship song. <laughs> which is really interesting in the context of this whole album a lot of comparisons can be drawn between u2 and something such as hillsong united or really any new world church mega church worshipy kind of band and i feel like a lot of the structures the core structures of the songs on this album really were just meant to kind of serve that same purpose that that they're meant to fill rooms they're meant to sound larger than life they're meant to make you feel something inside and i mean they did it really well on the singles but as we talked about towards the second half of the album it's like you can only use the same formula so many times well it's like yeah and, and there's that kind of americana vibe flowing throughout that second half too with songs like great wide open and it kind of turns it back on, around to walk on water you know and just sort of the america the title of the album um ultimately uh, while the last half of the record falls flat the first half is just so fucking good you know like i said rescue me is one of my favorite songs of the year dangerous night is one of my favorite songs of the year one track mine is one of my favorite songs of the year Ugh. this is just a fucking total fucking winner of an album for me and um i come to an eight out of ten on this record wow where you at, Tyler Sharp? wow see i have caveats with all the singles walk on water i think was the most cohesive for me the dangerous night one the chorus just levels out you know i feel like mm. there's the climax just 
it gets me there and then it's like oh we just leveled out we're not really going anywhere rescue that's a near me. perfect song to me oh my god dude rescue that's... me was almost there and then when it hits that pop edm chorus of course leto has to just fucking impose himself over the beat like with that crazy uh note that he holds uh, I when he sings that rescue note, me i hate it it's leto so fangirl over here that note dude his voice is so great Get oh my god out of here serve dude. the song oh my god he's singing out of his ass he's pulling that's, a johnny craig that's what that's he's one, doing probably one it's it's like in my top five there's like some of our songs that is like absolutely pushing up there man ridiculous, love it man absolutely um, ridiculous. so what's your All, score tyler Altogether, I'm at a 6.7. I am very disappointed in the second half of this album, and that's what really took down the score. Two interesting notes I want to bring up before we move on. Walk on Water is in the commercial for the new season of Deadliest Catch, which (laughs) makes complete sense. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of makes sense, right? Uh, I'm watching this commercial, and there's this boat just getting thrashed on the waves, and all you hear in the background is Jared Leto singing. Oh, yeah. Walk on water, which Angel is hilarious. Is still doing good at radio at um, all top ten. The top ten on all radio. Yep. Um, I, I would assume. I would assume Rescue Me is going to be the next single, and um, uh, it gonna... might be Halsey, man. It might be. It the could Halsey be. Song. Um, I think Rescue Me could just crush it though if they I... unleash that. <sighs> Yeah, um, the one with Halsey, I mean, yeah, I could do, I could do well too. I um, think Halsey just got clout right now, guys, man. You know Halsey I mean? just got clout. Maybe that's <laughs> where they insert that one in the charts. But so right. interesting. The record's projected to sell like fifty-five to sixty thousand mm-hmm. copies first week, which I think you know, Love Less Faith Dreams did fifty thousand, right? About right. fifty-three, maybe fifty thousand. So right around there. The band are set to have you know an increase in sales however however minor the increase is and even just um selling the same you did on your last record is considered a big success for that's a, a win band. today man yeah so i think the fact that this band could sell sixty thousand copies first week is fucking like this is huge this is proof that like you put out good singles like this band has and your band will win and that's kind of where they are this record is a pivot for 30 seconds to mars it is saying that we can do pop music in its yeah. current state and I really think this album is just going to be a bridge to this band's career. Yeah, This is it, getting them to the next step. And I feel yeah. like the, whatever the next album is, man, uh, if they could get these a couple more singles to really burn and really enter top 40 and be in that conversation, you know, we might be looking like an 80K first week for the yeah. next album. They well, might start the dominating is, streaming. With these singles, I've, they've just set themselves up on a path to success and modernization and bringing this back to under oath seeing under oath at rock radio it just seems so unsure to me and whereas this 30 seconds to mars they seem like they've arrived again and they're packing heat and they've got a number one single and they're back on the top 40 and it's just like they're gonna sell a bunch of records and this just feels like the future the band found a way to make their sound work in a modern pop landscape and i i just think it's an incredible achievement and like it's so great to have this band back in this way <laughs> i'm gonna get you a a, a life-size jared leto poster so you can hang it my in guy, your closet man, man. <laughs> My guy, dude, I do dude, think it's a little my guy, you know, for a while. Uh, right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, fuck this, man. I mean, it wasn't a bad record, but, you know, 
certainly didn't set the world on fire. And I was like, but man, this band just, they won me back with this one. I do think it's a little unfair to compare Under Oath and 30 Seconds to Mars in their current capacities. I know, you know, why we're doing it is two comebacks of bands that grew up in the same scene. They're aiming for two different things here. That's what it comes down to. I just think one band achieved what they were aiming for and one band really hasn't and probably won't well, you know we're gonna have to wait and see and i still i i've got my personal hope in under oath that i mean rapture is gonna climb that wake me can do something as a single if they decide to push it i hope it's bloodlust uh yeah i do agree as far as longevity wise this 30 seconds to mars album may be remembered more fondly than this under oath album but i, mean, I still think like they're set you know what I mean? Like they're 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 back in the game. It's just like it's it works. You know what they did, and I think they made the right move. You know, but if they, if this under oath this under oath album is a proposition, this uh, under oath album is saying that if this does well, then we're gonna be able to justify continuing this cycle, continuing this journey to rock radio and potentially beyond. I'm not going to lie. This is going to come way out of left field, man. But when I saw them at that secret show in Chicago, they've got their floor toms on there and they played no frame. And Chris sometimes beat on the floor tom. Tim sometimes beats on the floor toms. But Tim was playing a keyboard. Spencer was playing a keyboard. Chris was on his keyboards. And this band is one pivot away and I'm kind of throwing up in my mouth by saying this, but it's close to Imagine Dragons down the line. You know, like if they could get some sort of song, some sort of momentum in some different lanes outside of rock radio and write songs that are necessary to pivot that way, it's possible. You know what like the that problem band is though, can man? do it. You know what the problem is? They don't have the songs. They're not on this record. Right, right, right now. But this record is a proposition saying that, like I said, if it justifies the next cycle, those songs could be on the next cycle. I just, I don't see Come on, anymore. come on, it's man. You got to get, this is the only, <laughs> this, if this <laughs> album, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm, I'm fighting very hard for this album right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, I would have liked to see Under Oath do something like 30 Seconds to Mars, where they made something new and creative and flipped the script. I think and... these songs are creative for rock radio. <laughs> I don't, uh, this is, to, to me, it's that Under Oath record is just them constraining themselves to a past, looking to the past and constraining themselves to something that has existed forever. Whereas I think they could have made something really new and innovative. Sometimes you gotta look back to go forward, man. They're trying to establish themselves here on this record. Once they're established, they'll have more ground, more footing to be able to do more things in the future. You gotta start looking like a couple steps ahead. Like, this is a chess game, right? What are you gonna do three to four steps down the line? If they could just get some footing with this album... Who knows what could happen on the next few cycles? But then if none of the singles connect, the album bombs. Come on, man. Why you got to go there? Come on. (laughs) That's just what I see happening. I I don't want it to happen, but the music's just not there. We'll get first week numbers for next episode. We'll see. We will. We will. And um, we will see how the singles do. But, um, you know, we could we could uh, argue (laughs) all day, Tyler. But I think we should move on to our next story. All right. Dance Gavin Dance released a new single. It's called Midnight Crusade from the band's eighth 
album. Holy shit, their eighth album. Mm-hmm. Artificial Selection. Their eighth album on Rise Records. They've, They've never been on a different label. On the same fucking record label, which is cool. Um, Tyler Sharp, what do you think of this song? I was so impressed by this song. I was just so <laughs> happy with this song. Like I was not, I was, I had high hopes for this lead single and I still have high hopes for this album. I am shocked, Tyler Sharp, that you love this song. Are you shocked, man? Are you really shocked? I'm just like, holy shit, I fell out of my chair. (laughs) This band just keeps putting out bangers. Like I cannot give enough shouts to Will Swan, the riff master. Like that dude has just got it on lock. I don't know if this band could write a bad song at this point. Shouts to uh, shouts to Tillian at the disco too. I mean, absolutely right. Like <laughs> his look in this music video is a mood, man. Yeah, dude. Like this, he's, he's like I'm Brendan too, man. Homie's got it going on. Interesting. First beginning of the song intro, we got Tillian in a very raspy atmosphere and his delivery. I thought that was really interesting because we don't, mm-hmm. you know, when you think of Tillian, you just automatically like. Oh, super high end, super clean with this sheen. And I, I obviously it was on purpose to make him sound a little raspier. I like it. I really like it. It gave it a this little is... bit of an edge. I think the chorus, holy shit, man, the hook is ridiculous. And uh, when he says, so there's a pre-chorus. He says, uh, you're salty, can't fault you. I'm numb to the rhythm that guides you. Take all your confetti away. And then it's building as he says that. And then when it drops, he says, I know, I know, with a bunch of gusto behind himself. And I I instantly took that as a nod to uh, Lemon Meringue Tie when Mm. Johnny's repeating himself in that chorus. And he's just fucking belting those words out. That just took me right back to it. And I was like, holy shit, man. Eight albums later, we're coming full circle. I sing this song all the time. I've listened to it probably somewhere between 20 and 30 times since it's come out. And uh, I'm about it. Dance, Gavin, dance. I What's your a, score, Tyler? I'm at a 8.5 out of 10. Nice. Yeah. Lemon Meringue Time, man. Bringing it back to when I loved this band. Tell wow. me you didn't um, hear that in that chorus. No, that's cool. No, that's totally cool. Um, you know, it's back when this band uh, meant a lot to me. But, you know, now, um, and, you know, I, I hate. I, this is the parade I don't ever want to rain on because my favorite thing <laughs> happening the past couple of years is how well Dance Gavin Dance is doing and mm-hmm. how much Tyler Sharp loves it and how stoked <laughs> you are on it and how stoked every every Dance Gavin Dance fans like I'm so happy for you guys because your band is making it somehow while every other band is crashing and burning and they're pleasing you and I used to be a Dance Gavin Dance fan and I'm just kind of not anymore um, to me this is just another Dance Gavin Dance song leaning towards maybe more of their poppy tendencies um, and sensibilities. Like, this is not, you know, a harder Dance Gavin Dance song. It's a little more streamlined, like you said. It's not just Tillian doing the high thing and then screaming. He's, he's rasping, and it's kind of sort of converging into more of a, like, structured song. Um, I'm at a 6.5 out of 10 on it. You know, it's a well-made song, but it really just doesn't do anything for me. Just another Dance Gavin Dance song. Oh. A little poppier. Oh man, <laughs> this is this is this is the fourth album with Tillian, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had acceptance speech, and then the next two, and now it's this one. This it, it's just amazing to me how this band has continually been able to deliver album after album after album, despite all the lineup 
uh, instability throughout the first half of their career yeah. and still maintain their fan base through it all. You know, like people were talking about this band and then when they solidified their shit, people were still talking about them because the music was that good. It kept people coming back. I was, I was just slightly disappointed with acceptance speech with the big Tillian comeback, but the Tillian comeback in and of itself carried that cycle to the next album and then to the next album with Mothership. And it's just been amazing to watch this band grow through everything while the scene is falling just to obliteration all around them. The biggest they've ever been like they are. This band is literally the biggest they've ever been in their career. And I love, I fucking love. I never thought I'd say this again on the show, but shouts to rise records for (laughs) totally capitalizing off of the mothership hype and launching the pre-orders before ever releasing a song like just do it man like capitalize on that hype if you got it just do it and they did it so i'm really excited to see the first week numbers i cannot wait to hear the rest of this record i'm so glad that there's still a band in the scene that's making music that gets people excited like people i i name another band maybe what falling in reverse that yeah. fans get genuinely excited about when they release new music, you know, like the You know, I don't uh I don't understand it. You know, this band they've just to me they've sound the same forever and mm. I I just I just got bored of it and I I fell off from it, but like, you know, it, it it's nice to watch and not be a part of if you kind of get get what I'm saying. Definitely. Here. Like it's not my thing anymore. But I really do enjoy watching the band have success, and I love seeing the Dance Gavin Dance fans get hyped. It's just cool to see people get hyped about a fucking scene mm-hmm. that You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just cool to see that. All right. Before we go, Tyler, story so far. We got to talk about this. Is this fucking album happening or what? Uh, as far as I know, man. You know, I don't know any behind-the-scenes information. Pure Noise dropped a teaser on Twitter with... Uh, whatever their last single was called, Out of Time or Out of Mind or whatever that banger was called that they dropped in the fall as a Lucy. <laughs> and it was just of tweets asking... It was of, called um, Out of It. Which, out of which it. was a okay. great fucking Lucy single, banger, by the way. Right? I mean, that was a banger. We were, we were stoked on that one. We were about it. And uh, so Pure Noise dropped this video of the song playing in the background. It's just got like this psychedelic visual going on. And then it just pops up fans' tweets asking where yeah. the album was. And, so they're teasing. I mean, long, long story short, they're teasing here. Totally. And, um, the album's coming. Which is crazy. This would be their first album since 2015, the self-titled record. Three um, years, man. That's great. It just feels like forever, man. It has. Um, yes. And it's getting to the point where, like, this could be huge. You know, like, I really do feel like people are waiting for this. Mm. Like, it's kind of becoming a meme at this point. Like, where the and, fuck right. is the story so far record? Right, you know what right. I mean? It's a meme. So it's going to be interesting whether or not they've managed the gap well enough. Did they take yeah. it too far, pull a pierce the veil, or did they manage it just right and say go for a, I don't know, maybe a 30 seconds to Mars, you know? Yeah. Like, did, I mean, that, did they that, manage that. the gap right? That's what it comes down to. Is this the pop punk band that gets 
gets the pass from hardcore bands. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, the one? yeah. I mean, Parker wishes, <laughs> When all the hardcore right? bands meet up and have their commune, is Parker this the wishes, band that gets the pass? Parker wishes, he wears a fucking down presser cut off and, and all of the, oh my god, don't even get me started on that, Matt. Don't even go <laughs> there right now, because I'm about to They're go the band, off. though, right? They're the ones. They get the pass, right? I mean, Parker has, took... a, has a hardcore band that he plays in outside of the story so far. Like, it's just, I can't go there right now. <laughs> I can't. I'm about to go off, Matt. Yeah, well, like you, you said, though, it'll there. be interesting to see you know if if they've waited too long or not i kind of don't think they have because i i feel palpable hype out there and it's just a matter of what they come back with and like we out of it was a great a great signal you know what i'm saying like that song i I don't amazing pre-chorus that was a you know what i mean (laughs) i don't know great signal that they could come back with 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 better songs oh yeah totally i mean can they They've done better than it before. Totally. They can I mean, totally top that Yeah, song. they have done better before, but self-titled was ultimately a bit of a disappointment. I feel like that album yeah. has aged well. But yeah, right off I the mean, bat. I like songs off that record, though. And, you know, I liked the lead single. Was it, what was it called? Nerve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it was it was a bit of a disappointment, but um, I think I think uh, I think they could come back. We'll see. It'll be interesting. I'm excited to talk about it. I mean, we yes, got another scene that, band we can I mean, talk that's about. That's going to be that's <laughs> going to be a lead story when it happens. Oh, absolutely. So we will see you then, people. But that is it for the show this week, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please, please take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Give us those five stars, and we will love you so, so much. If you have any questions for the show, feel free to email them to notescene at gmail.com, and we will answer them on the show. Till then, see you next week, everyone. Bye.